Welcome to the shit show of my 20s. My name's Sophia, and I am so glad you're here. I am a 20-something in my early 20s, and I was going through my fair share of shit show moments, and I'm sure there's more shit show moments to come. So much fun. But it's while I was going through these moments, I was realizing I'm probably not the only 20-something who feels this way. So I decided to start this podcast back in 2020, and it's been incredible. And I love interviewing these inspiring people. And I hope that through these stories, you're able to see yourself in these stories. And it would mean the absolute world to me if you would share it with a friend as well as leave me a review on iTunes. It makes a huge difference. I put so much time and energy into this podcast and it would mean the world to me. So without further ado, let's get started. Today's guest is Emily. I love chatting with her. Emily was 13 when she was scouted while attending the shows at New York Fashion Week. Shortly thereafter, the Dallas Natives signed her first modeling contract in Tokyo. She later returned to New York City to sign with the top modeling agency, Maryland Management. She has appeared in Teen Vogue, Marie Claire, Seventeen, Nylon. LA Canada, amongst many others. She has modeled for many cosmetic companies, including Smashbox, Too Faced, KKW Beauty, and MAC Cosmetics. Emily first starred opposite Nicholas Holt in Drake Dermis' feature film, Newness, which premiered at the Sun Dance Film Festival. She also made a cameo appearance in the Life on Mars, Blue Moon, as well she produced, directed, and wrote... And we go into so many incredible things in this interview from what inspired her to write Blue Moon, how she started acting, her transition from modeling to acting, and how she's really able to step into a role and so much more. So excited for you guys to hear this episode. Let's get started. So thank you so much, Emily, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. So I'd love to start telling about your 20s so far. Feel free to include any <laughs> show moments you might resonate with. Let's start there. Uh, oh my God, I'm literally thinking about my 20th birthday, which was at the Nice Guy in, in LA. And to think where I am now is such a wild, wild journey. My 20s have been quite a shit show, but we've gotten ourselves together, I feel like. I think when I was 20, my career changed. I went from modeling to acting, not entirely by choice. I had gotten an acting manager and booked my second audition ever, which was a film called Newness by Drake Doremus, which is on Netflix. But when that happened, my agency in LA dropped me. And that was quite a identity crisis for me because my entire like adolescent years, that was my thing. And I didn't really know myself outside of that. And so when that happened, I had quite the meltdown. I remember it very specifically on my bathroom floor. But it was a really great thing that happened because I think it allowed for other aspects of who I was to blossom and then also to, for me to realize like you don't just have to be one thing and like even those things aren't you so like that was a really wonderful moment I also like had an interesting relationship with substances so to speak when I was a teenager I was partying a lot and 20 is the year that I decided to stop doing all of that and so my 20s have been a lot of feeling things that I wasn't used to feeling and having to sit with feelings and emotionally regulate uh, in a way that 
wasn't self-destructive. I've had a lot of boyfriends. I've fallen in love. I've fallen out of love. I've moved in with people. I've learned a lot. I mean, thinking about the guy that I was dating when I was 20 to the guy that I'm dating now, I mean, it's just night and day, which is wonderful. Like they kept getting better. I started acting. And then I started making movies as of a year and some change ago. Now I have a production company. So I'm developing my projects and want Blue Moon into a feature specifically and 13 stepping into a TV show. I also have a merch division to the company. So I kind of run a clothing line too, which is exciting. And like that'll all be out in a couple of months. I have like employees, which is crazy. There's like two people in the accounting department. I have a head of brand relations. I have like a brand director. I have a head of development and then we have two interns. So there's like close to 10 of us, which is kind of crazy. I've moved, there was a global pandemic. It's wild actually to think about it. It started off a little rocky, but I feel like we're getting the hang of it now for sure. It's interesting. I kind of define chapters of my life based on like who I was dating at the time, because I feel like that said so much about like where I was emotionally like I think that the people that you choose are mirrors of you in some way right and uh I'm just I'm proud of I'm proud of my choices now I think before I didn't really value myself or I didn't know what I wanted or what I deserved and it takes a few assholes to realize that but it's good to get them out of the way early I think and it's good to get like you know I ha I've had two serious relationships in my 20s and the first one like we're not bad people we're just bad for each other but I think it was really great to get that one out of the way first and yeah I feel interestingly enough like a grown-up but I also don't feel like I'm any older by age if that makes sense I almost feel like I'm a bit younger because I feel like I enjoy life more now than I did when I'm 20 when I was 20 and I give less bucks and I think that I have been able to set boundaries that I wasn't able to do when I was younger, I think I can communicate so much better. So I think overall, like my quality of life is definitely better. And I'm excited. I don't want to look any older, but I'm excited to get older. I think. Yeah. <laughs> if we could just get older without aging, that would be great. Exactly. Yeah. I take so many vitamins. I'm trying. If anybody's going to do it, it'll be me. That's so funny. I kind of want to go back to yeah. like, have you always had this creative side of you? Like, have you always been like really in tune with, I want to be able to create this or like I really feel like I could do this have you always had that creative side of you ignited or what was that process like igniting that I think that I've been creative since I was a kid I mean I love to like collage things and splatter paint things and I was in choir and photography and art and that was always a part of me but my mom's a lawyer so it's very much like the other side of my brain that was really kind of encouraged and like I was good at school and that was what I was good at so I kind of assumed that I was either going to become a lawyer or like her or do something kind of in that field. I was a musical theater kid. I love like design and fashion and film was huge. I think like I didn't really love growing up in Texas or I didn't like truly feel like I belonged. So films were how I related to the world and really like how I was exposed to things other than myself. But then I started modeling when I was 13 and my whole life changed in a way that I, I didn't realize at the time, but I, I do think of my life in two chapters. It's interesting now looking back and kind of seeing like all the things that I do now, it's like creative and analytical. So it does combine kind of the left and the right brain, so to speak. I think that I personally experience anxiety whenever I feel like I'm not moving toward my personal goals. Like whenever I feel stagnant is when I notice 
my mental health kind of shift. Like whenever I feel like I'm not progressing as a person or I'm not like evolving in some way. And again, like that doesn't mean that every moment of the day I have to be doing something. This is what my therapist told me. But I do think that like I found that in my early 20s, I think I had just assumed that I would like marry someone and like that would be it. And that would that would be like my life. And I had a relationship where like that could have been the outcome. And I was really unhappy and I realized that I needed a sense of self and that like what I created and and who I was was so important to the success of any relationship and that what I do on my own is is like mine and that's something that I can be really proud of and it's the thing that like you know we all have bad days and like on my bad days I still get out of bed because I have people that are counting on me and the things that I create are like the things that allow me to emotionally process the world around me in a way that like I didn't when I was a teenager because I was doing drugs if that makes sense so like being creative is the only way that I know how to like export everything I import from the world if that makes sense like it really is my emotionally like regulatory system is is being creative Mm, I love that because it seems like in the past you went to substances for that and then you found a new way and you're like this is a healthier way this is going to really lead me somewhere I can do it this way and not only that you get to share it with the world like you get to share it through movies through like features yeah I think so too and I think that that it's another way to like I think the opposite of any sort of addiction is connection and I think the biggest form of connection is like art and that I think is art like I think like taking suffering and turning it into something beautiful like is the purest form of that sense so yeah I think that that's how I now process the world around me for sure and I'm wondering like going back to your modeling days did you ever have like because I feel like modeling so image focused like you have to be so focused on how you look how you show up in the room like how the clothing fits did you have a moment where it kind of ended up being too much about your image where it felt like very heavy be so image focused yeah I mean I think that like it definitely affected my mental health especially when you start so young like I hadn't even gone through puberty and I did and I got dropped when I went through puberty because I put on weight um and then had to lose it all to then like get another agent I think it definitely fucks with you and I think I'm still unraveling those learned behaviors or thoughts or even like what I thought that like ideal body size was or like my ideal weight like even when it comes down to that like I remember thinking like over 100 pounds was like oh dear god you know and now I'm like Jesus like that's that's so sickly and it's not like it's not it's it's a collective societal thing which is also kind of annoying something like we are society but I do think I don't think it's any one person's fault but I do think that having your talent be what you look like is really unhealthy because it's not really a talent and like it's so temporary and the pressure like I remember if I got a bruise I would get anxious because what if I didn't book a job you know and like that's so unhealthy and I think even one of the reasons why the first short that I did Blue Moon like I didn't want to be in it like I was so over being in pictures I was so tired of having my entire adolescence photographed and then I've kind of healed past that and now I've been able to get back into the camera but it's actually only been in stuff that I've done it hasn't been with anybody else because I feel like I'm having I guess a realization in real time that like I never like owned any of those images of me I never controlled like what came out I never controlled what was selected I never controlled how much editing they would do to them like I was very much not in control of my own external self like or my likeness which 
I think can be damaging. I mean, again, like if L'Oreal calls, like I will for sure take them up on that. But I think as a kid that's still developing, it was a little intense. And I think that if I had a daughter or a son who wanted to do that, I think like 18, because I think that you need to just have this idea of like your sense of self separate from this thing and also be able to know how to speak up and assert your rights. Like there's no union, there's no SAG, there's no like law saying that like you have to have a private place to change or that you have to have time for schoolwork or like you have to have a lunch break. Like there's nothing like that. And I think as a kid, sometimes you don't speak up at times that you should, or you don't even know like what you should deserve. And I think being a little bit older would be helpful in that sense. And maybe it's gotten a lot better since I was doing this, but I do think that like I was a kid in an adult world and I was trying to play an adult, but like I wasn't. And that leaves me with certain things that I get to unravel with my with my therapist. And I think that all in all, I don't regret the experience by any means. Like it, it changed my life and I would do it again. But I think that it left me with some aspects of like child star syndrome. Like I didn't go to regular high school. I went online. I never really had a hobby because my whole life was about work. I didn't have like, if anybody's like, oh, have you seen this movie? I'm always like, no, because I didn't have anybody who exposed me to anything. Like I wasn't around kids my own age. It was like, it was like I was a little adult. And so I did miss out on some things that now I'm starting to realize as I get older. I mean, it's also interesting. Most of my friends are much older than me too. But yeah, it was a wild experience but one that I'm definitely grateful for and was not all bad by any means but I do think that like the focus on appearance to that degree isn't great for your mental health and I think that that could be something that's like universally agreed upon yeah yeah and I'm curious what did you do after that to detach yourself from that from like I don't need to just be attached to what I look like I'm so much more than just what I mean, people see yeah I definitely don't think I've like completely evolved out of it I mean I'm still in show business right and I do understand this concept of like what I look like does still matter and that like beauty is still a sport and it is still a, a commodity and that like my external appearance is still a representation of my brand so it's interesting so I kind of like went the opposite direction and like didn't want anybody to take my picture and we had COVID and like I was not I went the opposite direction and I did Blue Moon and I didn't want to be in it. And then I think I realized like how much I loved acting again and like I that I wanted to get back into it. So now it's been interesting like getting back into the swing of like photo shoots or events or like things where like my external appearance is part of the representation of not only myself, but my company. It's been an interesting thing to now try and balance because now is the time where I have the self-awareness to realize that, but I'm also still faced with the same things. It's different. I'm older and I get to pick and choose. But I think like for me, the anxiety that I used to feel around, I mean, I even remember at like the nudist premiere at Sundance, like I had such severe anxiety that like I wasn't perfect enough and it really kind of ruined it for me. And I think now after having an experience like that, if I ever start to feel that way again, maybe it's a situation where I pull back a little and like I'm a creative who's super private, except, you know, when they're on screen. I don't know. It'll be interesting to figure out like what that balance looks like as I get older. At the moment, it's been okay. I have an incredible therapist who I speak to frequently and her kids are in show business. So she's kind of the perfect person to talk to about things like this. I think that that my relationship with this will like evolve because I'm still in show business. So like, it's not, I'm not, it's not like I'm, I'm not in accounting or like it still matters. And so I think realizing that it matters, but that it's not the only thing that matters and that like, it's not worth 
misery. Like that's, and I think also like, I'm not in this to be famous. Like I just want to make really good art that as many people can see. And if that comes along with it, that comes along with it. But I think it's a different approach than it was when I was younger, for sure. Like I think when I first started acting, it was like I was playing the part of an actress without any real like skills to back it up. And now I feel like I have something in my pocket besides what I look like. So it's not the only thing I'm relying on. I'm curious, when you get a role, What's the first thing that you do? Like, what's the first thing that you do to really, like, step into that character? Well, I have, like, binders for each of them. I mean, the last one I did, which which was the one that I wrote, I think the first thing I do is, like, I go and, like, I highlight all of my lines. And I have an amazing acting coach. Her name is Lena Jorgis, and she's with the Nancy Bake Studio. And you know, she's been really helpful in giving me kind of a plan of action. I think everybody's process is a little bit different, but I definitely read the script. And then I start with, you know, figuring out like key memories and moments and ideas and picking out like people, places and things that like I need to create a memory in my head for, right? So if somebody talks about my father, like who does that person look like? What is that memory? And that can mean like journaling about them. Then you start doing your beat work where you figure out the beats in the script and then the active verbs, which are like, you know, your intention, so to speak, for every line. And then create I'm very kind of musically inspired too. So creating a playlist, creating like a Pinterest board. I know Sydney Sweeney creates like scrapbooks for each of her characters. I think personalizing everything as, as much as you possibly can. And I tend to do like the beat work and the intention work before I memorize it. But you almost like, mem- you, you kind of memorize it anyways, but you memorize it in like waves of intentions. And then, and then you like, I'm a big believer in like having things 100% memorized because then you have the freedom to like really play and you're not in your brain being like oh my god what's the next thing and isn't it is it a this or a the or a they like what's the next but then I think personifying every person place and thing within the script is hugely important and being able to visualize that and to have a backstory I think is really important as well so like to know everything that led you up until page one like what happened before is super important and then figuring out your relationships to every single person you interact with is super important as well so yeah that's kind of my process And after you like step out out of like a role, do you feel like that role leads with you? Like, do you feel like it becomes like part of who you are after? I think they're always a part of you before. Like, I truly believe the roles, at least that I've gotten or that I've really wanted, like that person exists within me in some way. I think for 13 Stepping specifically, because it was like 70% based on my real life, that was one that stuck with me, which is why I think when we shoot the actual season, because we shot like a proof of concept and it's being developed into a show. I'll want to have a therapist on set. I actually think that's just great in general. That one stuck with me. That was really hard to kind of shake off. It took a couple weeks because it's a very intense thing. And like, I had to emotionally trigger myself over and over and over again, which means like, like I have a list of emotional triggers. So like things that make me happy, things that make me sad, things that make me cry. The things that make me cry list was the one that we had to call to over and over again. So I'm thinking about like the worst things that have ever happened to me constantly. So that way I can just like keep crying and having a breakdown, which is like really beautiful but also like I felt emotionally hungover for a couple of weeks and I think with 13 stepping specifically because I also directed it the like separating Emily the actor and Emily the director was really easy but separating Emily from the character Lily was like really difficult and there was a part of me that almost didn't want to separate the two of us because I felt like it made it better but it definitely cost me something and I think I'm I'm listening right now on audible tender box which is the the book about HBO and they 
definitely talk about the effects playing Tony Soprano had on James Gandolfini. And it's something that like I could incredibly relate to that like in order to go to those dark places, it takes something from you. And, and I think some actors are, you know, can easily switch it on and off. I'm not one of those. I might be one of those if, it, if, if it's a story that doesn't so deeply affect me like this one, or if it's like a romantic comedy. But this one, this one had some lingering feelings. And also because like, I was also in the editing room for like months. So it's not something where I like did my job and like went home. It was like, no, I re saw this over and over again. And, and some of the scenes in 13 Stepping are dramatizations of actual life events. So maybe in some ways it feels like it maybe was like exposure therapy in some ways. But I, I would like to get better maybe. I don't know. I would like to get better that after the last day of shooting is done to be able to separate. I don't mind the two of us becoming a mesh during the shooting process. But afterwards, I would definitely like to work on being able to pop out of it with a little bit more self-preservation. Mm, that's so interesting because I never you never think of like seeing someone on the TV, like how much the characters like become each other, like how much the actor becomes a character. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. And I think, I mean, there's a rooftop scene in 13 Stepping where I have this like epic breakdown and it was the last day of filming and we were shot at sunset, which we made look like sunrise. And first of all, sunset's only like 20 minutes. So you have 20 minutes to get everything. So there's like the clock ticking in your ear. Second of all, it's like 20 degrees because we're in New York and there's a windshield and I'm wearing nothing but like a slip dress and a fur coat. I'm also harnessed to the roof uh, so that way it wouldn't fall off. So it's like incredibly uncomfortable. So cold that I can't even light my fake cigarettes because my thumbs were numb. So like a PA had to light my cigarette. And while they're resetting, like I still have to be private in public as, as my acting coach Lena says. So like she and I would go off into the corner or like huddle next to a heater and I would just tell her to make me cry and she knows all of my emotional triggers so she knew which ones to pull out of me but like for 20 minutes straight I was like thinking about my mother dying do you know what I mean and so like it was intense and then that afternoon we shot a sex scene so it's it's a lot but I enjoy the challenge and like when you hit it like when you know you got it it's the greatest freaking feeling and it's like your Super Bowl moment you know it's the, it's those trophy moments that like take something out of you but are the most beautiful and it's it's my favorite scene I actually think and I think it's some of the best acting because I had to be so present because it was so cold and because we only had so much time that it like forced me to really be there. And it was something that we we had like, we had like roughly choreographed and we had it out on paper, but like we had never been there with all of the crew before. And so it was very much like on the fly blocking and I'd never been harnessed to anything before. And so getting used to that was really interesting. I'd never had a stunt coordinator on set and there had never been the potential of like me potentially falling off either, you know, like I'm supposed to vomit over the side of the railing and like we had fake vomit and like that didn't work. So then you have to readjust. And then like, I need to like, it needs to look like I'm hurling myself off, but like, I don't want to fucking fall. Even though the stunt coordinator was like, yeah, if you fall, you'll be fine. It's like, but I don't want to fucking. So like you, it's, it's so many things happening at once, but like when you hit it, it's just the closest thing that you feel to God. And like, I think my team knew I could act, but I didn't think they knew I could act. And so when I did it, it just, it felt incredible, but it was extremely emotionally exhausting and taxing. Yeah. 
Well, and I'm curious if like people could only see, would you want, if people could only see one scene of yours, what would you I want that one that scene one. to be? That one? Or the, I mean, the sex scene in like, but I think, <laughs> I think that one, I think, I think that one, which is interesting because like I have some dialogue at the beginning, but at least 50% of that scene is just my facial expressions, which I think is so interesting. And like the next short film that I want to write is silent because I think that that's actually like the hardest form of acting and the greatest challenge when you don't have words to express how you're feeling. And all somebody can see is the thoughts that are going on in your head like I think that that's that's when you really have no crutches and I think that like that's the most expressive form of of conveying an emotion and and it's like truest form like I think silent films I find so fascinating and I think sometimes we can use our words as crutches and I think you can bullshit your way through words in a way that you can't when it's silent, you know, because you you have to like convey audio or convey a thought. Like you 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 have to be so clear in your intention that another person can read it, right? So mm-hmm. it's an exciting challenge. And do you do you like practice different facial expressions for your scene, like prior to the scene, or have you always been good at <laughs> facials? Or I mean, modeling, I definitely knew like what angles looked good. I try not to practice in front of a mirror or anything like that. I had a few like idiosyncratic ticks that I noticed I would do that I actually have now like straight away from. Like I would do like something like this, or like whenever I would feel lost or I would blink too much, or when you start taping yourself over and over, you notice that you have these crutches that you fall back on whenever you need to like it's like an expressive um so like if I was saying thinking um or like lost or something I would do this thing so it's more of like not trying to do specific things which now those ticks thank god I just did a tape and and they're all kind of gone now because I have a lot of trust and what I can do I think that doing 13 stepping gave me a lot of confidence because I'd had a lot of rejection and writing my own thing like that was the most screen time I've had and I was leading an entire ensemble cast and I think proving to myself that I could do that gave me a lot of confidence. And I think also it's interesting. So now I've started self-taping again. So like during Blue Moon for the last year or so, I had stopped auditioning just because I simply didn't really have the time and I was scorned. And after 13 stepping and now that I have a whole team of people and I and I have the time and the resources, I started to audition again. And it's been an entirely different experience. I think I used to get severe anxiety auditioning because my entire self-worth and like future I felt like was in these people's hands you know and I wanted it so badly and now I have so many other things going on that like I would love to get this great but like this thing doesn't define me so there's a lot more freedom and I think relaxation in the tapes and in the auditions that I'm doing now and I think I've learned so much directing that I didn't even realize even editing like that's really changed my perspective it's also changed how I, I read scripts and how I write them down and how I imagine a character and I think having now auditioned people myself has also changed the way that I look at an audition process. Like they want you to be it. Like you will make, like they, they want to be done with this search. Do you know what I mean? They, they really want for you to be that person rather than coming in with an extreme amount of self-doubt that I already wasn't it. Do you know what I mean? And I think that like, sometimes you're not given a script and there's a lot of filling in the blanks that you do in auditions. And I used to always be afraid that I was making the wrong choice. And now I realize that wherever there 
there is a blank, it kind of means that they don't really know. And that if your choice is strong enough, you could be the choice they didn't even know that they wanted. And that was a huge like mind thing because I think I was always scared that I was making like the wrong decision or I wasn't dressed right or like this isn't what they meant by that. Or maybe I wasn't like, do they want my hair up or down or like, and now I realize like, well, I think like your acting is your decisions and your choices. Like you're only as good as your choices. But if you're, if they're based and you can back them up by the information you've been given, they're not the wrong choice. And as long as you commit to them and make them interesting, like you can't really go wrong. So, and then if they don't like that, it's because maybe they already have somebody who's blonde and they can't have two, you know, maybe they just doesn't fit casting wise, but at least you know that you gave a good performance and you've made a fan out of whoever's casting. So. And is there anything else that you think has made the rejection easier? Like the process of going for different roles and like being attached to a role or maybe it doesn't work out and then having to process that. Is there anything? Um, gotten so close to so many things and like was on option for a project and COVID happened and the funding got pulled. I think just having other things that you're passionate about. And like now I, I'm writing my own stuff. So like if I want to flex that muscle of acting, like I'll just do it. And so I think processing that like if you know you did the, the best you could do and you put in all that effort, like soaking that in, taking it as like, okay, I got to practice my craft today. And I'm so grateful for that. And if they don't choose me, I know it's not because of the job that I did. It's just because I'm not what they're probably physically looking for. Then I think it's a bit easier to separate yourself from that. And I and I think having other things going on. So right, so it's not your single source of validation in your life, you know, is super, mm-hmm. super important, because I think, and that goes for anything. Don't think I mean, obviously, like, don't have external validation, but we all do because we're human. So it's like, if you are going to have external validation, have it come from like multiple, don't put all your eggs in any one basket, so to speak, because then you'll be disappointed. And I truly believe that people are good at more than one thing. And I think if you can integrate those things in your life, that that's really important. And I think that that keeps you balanced much more so than having one thing that like everything's on to. And sometimes when you want something too much, it, it, the pressure doesn't help. And you definitely don't perform well under pressure, I, I found. So. Yeah, yeah, that's such a good point of diversifying it and versus making it all one thing and then adding the pressure onto it and being able to have like, okay, I have this project, I have this thing, I have other things that I can rely on and other people that I can get that validation from. And I want to know the story behind Blue Moon and how that all came together for you. Um, and like, how did that evolve? Yeah, so... You know, I've been, we, there was, we were like a year into COVID and I had kind of created my own acting curriculum. So I was like taking a class every day and I was watching a movie every day and I was reading Stanislavski and I was really working on that. And then something kind of clicked in February as if I was like struck by lightning and speak a foreign language. But I just decided that I was like going to write something or I actually didn't even think I was going to write something. I just thought I was going to make something because I was bored. And I was also just tired of waiting for somebody to pick me. And I really had loved this idea, like exploring like love in a night because I'd had a few of those experiences. And one of my good friends had started dating women and had communicated how she felt underrepresented in media. So it was important to me that, that I could honor both of our stories in this story. And then I went on a date um, with this guy who's called Mr. Blue Moon. We went on three dates, but all three of those dates were kind of compressed into a lot of the plot of Blue Moon. And when I met him, I'd never been so inspired by like another person. Granted, we were on Fantasy Island and I knew very little about him, but like, we existed within a snow globe and like the fourth date he friends 
zone me. So he kind of, and in a really like incredible way, if I was going to be rejected, I would want everybody to do it like he did. He was extraordinarily communicative and kind of preserved the space where we are now friends and he's in 13 stepping. And like we went to a concert a couple weeks ago, but I was really intrigued by this concept of love in a single night and how like that was just as valid as love I experienced for years and this concept of just existing on a snow globe with somebody and then making it a queer love story which was like I mean I never set out to make a queer love story I just wanted to make a love story that happened to be queer and I think that that was really important and both of the actresses in the film are queer and I used an extraordinarily large amount of their own experiences to create the characters and there's a monologue where they're on the top of the car and those are both of those girls real and true lived experiences. I had no idea what I was doing. I thought it was going to be three minutes. It was supposed to be called Little Spoon. I thought it was just going to be the sex scene. I thought I was going to be shooting it on my iPhone and then I like wrote the outline and I thought we were going to improv everything and somehow I wrote the lines and then found a producer through a friend of a friend and one of my exes is a writer and director and I called him and asked him like what job descriptions were that I needed to fill and it all happened very quickly I think I wrote it in a matter of weeks and pre-production was a matter of weeks and we shot in a couple of days and post was a matter of weeks so it was this like intense learning curve like every day was something new but I never felt more alive and I never felt like I was like I, I just I had found my purpose in a way that I'd never really experienced before and I knew that I, like all I wanted to do was to get back to that place like the last day on set I was actually really melancholy and I expected to be relieved but I was actually really sad and now kind of everything I do every day is to just get back to that place and that feeling and, and set and so when we were editing Blue Moon and I kind of I had had an idea for 13 stepping but it didn't yet at the time of the idea I didn't know how to execute it and once I figured out how to execute it I started writing it and that was supposed to be short that then turned into like I wasn't even planning to act in it but then I realized like I didn't think anybody else could because it was so similar to me and then I, I wanted to give myself I think the opportunity to kind of flex all of the muscles so to speak but I wrote it we realized quickly that it was actually going to be a series and that this was proof of concept for a pilot and not only was this going to be a series but it was going to be my character series and so that kind of built upon itself too and we shot that in December I'm finished editing by like March and now I'm developing it so I'm been interviewing writers to co-write the pilot and the bible for season one for me I have a whole pitch deck that's mapped out the first season and the second season and the third season I have now attached two feet who's this amazing artist who, whose music I actually use in the proof of concept and I've been a fan of his for a while but I um I slid into his dms and got a meeting and and now he's signed on to be the composer for the show which is really exciting and it's all happening and then for Blue Moon we, we just signed a writer named Zoe Worth who was going to adapt the short film script into a feature film script and then we'll package that all together and and make that into a a beautiful feature film and then I have like an accelerator fund at my company where I put finishing funds and two other projects and executive produce and produce other people's things that I find extraordinary and want to believe in and then I'm also auditioning again and I am in the midst of writing another short that will be silent except for the score and yeah so it's, it's all happening and boy, has my life changed so dramatically. And now I also have a new boyfriend. And I've never really had a boyfriend while working this much. And 
he is a showrunner and a writer for a show on HBO called Winning Time, which I'm going to plug because I think everybody should go see Winning Time on HBO. But it's incredible to have a partner who has not only the same work ethic that I do, but like is doing the same thing and has been where I am and understands me in ways that I feel like no one else in my life does because I don't really have anyone in my life who, who does all of the things. But it's been interesting now, like trying to learn how to balance a career like this, which is all-encompassing like you know right now we're in a boardroom in my building because the only way I can get everything done in a day is to consolidate so like my gym is in my building my staff comes to my building if I self-tape the the person comes here like time management has become huge but within that like then trying to manage a relationship with two people who actually don't have time for each other but make time so it makes it almost like extra special but it's been interesting and I'm working that out now too and trying to take like weekends like I'm never really off the clock because I'm like constantly inspired by things or like I'll be thinking of something or I like to read during the weekends or whatnot but like trying to find the balance with another partner has now been like the theme of the last month um but I think we're figuring it out and I'm like really proud of us and I think communication is huge like you got to find yourself a partner who can communicate like he's got a skincare routine and a therapist and I'm like you're golden this is great Mm, yeah I'm curious what's your biggest lesson from him so far Um, I think my biggest lesson from him is that you really can do all of the things and that we can do hard things and that you like to not compromise what you want I think like you know he he's also the showrunner so he gets to have a lot of final say in things which is like kind of my life and what I want to do, but to just not compromise your vision and to not fold into becoming like every other show. He was talking to me about how like notes he would get is like, oh, can you be more like Yellowstone? Can you be more like Succession? Whatever show was popular, people try to like mold it to because everybody wants their show to succeed. So, and nobody wants to be fired. So they want to take elements from other things. But I think holding on to your vision and and, and not compromising that because like those are the shows that actually like outlast every thing and to to just know that like I am the thing it's not the show like I'm going to come up with other ideas for shows do you know what I mean like the show isn't the asset really that like it's in within me does that make sense like I think that my show is going to be one of the best things I create I don't think it's going to be the only great thing but like that the true talent is not making the show it's the like ideas and that I'm going to have more of those and so to be able to kind of separate from that in a way if that makes any sense like if the show let's say it gets canceled after one season or something happens like of course, I'm going to be very disappointed, but like, that's not the end of my career. Do you know what I mean? And I think understanding that has been huge. And I never thought about it like that before I met him. Mm. I have to ask too, what's the biggest lesson from your therapist? Oh, <laughs> Jane, she's fantastic. Hmm. I think that just like how I'm feeling at any given moment is like valid. And that it will pass and to just like feel it. And I'll be like, this sucks. You're like, yeah, you're right. That does fucking suck. I've been like, oh, don't feel that way. It's okay. Like, I think just like validating someone's experience actually really does like solve a lot because they do pass. And if they might not all be rational, so to speak, not to like, you know, minimize my own feelings, but like, you know, we all react to things based off of previous experiences, right? So in some ways they're like not entirely rational, but like they are valid. And to sit with that and let it pass and not not try to minimize or 
pushed down. I think that there's a large problem with that. I mean, I think that that's where like, then you start to emotionally regulate with things that are self-destructive. And then I think like, just the way that she's helped me communicate to myself with my own inner monologue has been really incredible. Just shifting away, I think it used to be a lot more self-critical. I do think there's like a healthy level of self-criticism that you need to be successful, but it's gotten a lot better. And then I think too, just like helping me with dating. I, you know, each relationship I've had, I wanted them to get better and I wanted to be a better partner every time. And I'm really proud with this current relationship, like how well we communicate together. Because to me, it's just this like huge example of how far I've come and all the work I've done on myself in order to be able to have some of the conversations that we have. Because yes, we're on Fantasy Island a lot of the time, but we've also had some like real life ex- expressions of, of emotion or frustration towards each other that we've been able to communicate through that I think with any past relationship or any previous version of myself, that could have potentially been an argument. Or I just wouldn't have said anything and I would have swallowed it all, which builds resentment, which is utter poison in a relationship. So I think communication in all of its forms. She's amazing. She's incredible. Yeah. Highly recommend everybody having a therapist for sure. Yeah. And what's something you do every day that's a non-negotiable for you? It could be anything. There's a few. You know, I try to work out every day. There are days like this morning where I just started my period and like it's the last thing and I slept in today and that was actually a really big act of self-care. But generally it's like some form of movement or stretching because I find that that's a huge way that I just express um, any sort of kinetic energy within me. Water work generally on some form even if it's an off day I love to watch a movie taking my vitamins just like self-care stuff I think on a very basic level is a non-negotiable making sure that like I eat my meals and that like I have I feed my body with all the things it needs in order to be able to operate at like this capacity I used to be like a non-negotiable meditator in the morning but now I don't get to sleep as much so that's become less and now I have like micro meditations throughout the day where I'll take like a couple of minutes here and there and I found that that seems to be just as helpful for me but I think a non-negotiable is self-care like that has to happen or else I'm just going to burn out and I can't because I'm the IP for a lot of our projects and also because I'm not saving lives so I at least want to be having fun do you know what I mean so yeah yeah in order to be able to go at the capacity you're going at you have to have that self-care you have to have those moments where you check in with yourself and you have to have all that so that you can continue to do all your projects and continue to show up and I have a final question for you. So if you were to go back in time and talk to your 20-year-old self, what would you want to tell her? If you don't want to tell her anything, that's an option as well. Oh, no, she needs help. I think I would tell her a few things. The first one that comes to mind is I would tell her that she's capable of more than she could ever imagine. I think I would also tell her to not define her self-worth on the admiration of men. Because I think when I was younger, like in that phase, I received a lot of my external validation from men. And I was like kind of a former fat kid. So like when dudes started liking me, that was very exciting and maybe a little too intoxicating. I would also tell her that like, I think that it's going to be okay is such a cliche, but I think that I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it through and it's going to be incredible on the other side. And that like, I can not only am I capable of more than I ever imagined, but that I could handle more than I ever imagined. And to give myself more credit, because I think that I was a little too concerned about what people thought about me and being somebody else's idea of perfection or beauty or whatnot and and hadn't fully yet developed my own. And I had, and I, and I also would tell her to like make some good friends, which she did. So. Mm. I love those 
They're all good. Thanks. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. I really appreciate it. Awesome. And where can we find you? Where can we connect with you? Yeah, a few different places. So my personal Instagram is at Emily Rule. And then we have the at Public School Pictures Instagram. Um, there's at 13stepping on Instagram, at Blooming the Short on Instagram. And then the publicschoolpictures.com website has trailers for films, has some films, um, has some information about my team. It's where you'll be able to buy the merch in a couple of months. So I think publicschoolpictures.com is a great, a great resource. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'd love if you can leave me a review on iTunes. Please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.